G'day, I'm representing the hypothetical Australian government, and I'm here to ask you a question. Should we be allowed to have children? Yes, says the husband and wife who want to usher life into the world. Yes, says the parents who look back on their children with joy. Yes, says the children who wish to have children of their own. However, what about the kids that have grown up without the necessary love and support of their parents? Those that have been traumatised by divorce, parents' emotional outbursts and tragic accidents in their lives. Or those horribly scarred by their parents' bad behaviour and then hurt those around them in return. As such, we have a different answer. A licence to raise children. We don't disagree that we should have kids of our own. It's a human right to have children, but it's a privilege to raise them. Authorised by the hypothetical Australian Government, Canberra. Perfect! What now? What now? I don't know why I half sang that one. It must be from the pains of last episode. Yes, I was giving the audience what they wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to our podcast, everybody. Lovely to have you back with us again. My name is Alyssa. And my name is Ken. And our podcast, What Now, is about the issues that school never prepared us for and how we deal with them. And what are we talking about today, Alyssa? So today we are actually discussing, do you need a license to raise a kid? This is not about your right or your human right to have kids, but the impact that you're creating and influencing into a wider world on raising a child because you're not actually influencing the one person, but the relationships and interactions that your child will have growing up and throughout their life. Just as a backdrop to this episode, when thinking about having children, it's important to realise that, broadly speaking, the world is overpopulated. Countries have tried to introduce policies like the one-child law to stem the number of children that are being born. There have also been increasing studies into the impacts of having children upon women's health, such as postnatal depression. There's the option to adopt kids as opposed to having children of your own. There are a lot of areas that we could be talking about, but for this episode, we don't want to be focusing on the surrounding issues. We want to be focused particularly on the raising of children. Ensure you're having a kid for the right reasons to start with, listening to your maternal or paternal instincts, and not just because Kylie Jenner and Shay Mitchell or a famous Instagram influencer recently had one and it looks cute and you want some likes. It's not also about having the child, but finding the right partner to raise one with too. Agreed. And in regards to this whole concept, whilst yes, it's a provocative question, we acknowledge that like a driver's license, it is a privilege to raise a child. You can have a child. That that part's not very difficult. Well, it is, but it's another thing altogether to be able to successfully raise a child through to adulthood to become a fully functioning, well-intentioned human being. And as part of the research into this episode, Alyssa and I did a lot of homework and looked into a variety of different areas that make up the qualities of being a good parent. We actually saw a video that Jay Shetty created and he talks about the idealization of superhero parents. So, you know, growing up, we look up to our parents as superheroes And we genuinely believe that they hold these magic powers and they come with different masks, you know, like Santa Claus, the Easter bunny, tooth fairy. And Jay talks about when growing up their masks come off 
and their weaknesses are exposed. But this comes to a shock to us as children, as our expectations are completely set through the roof. And, you know, Jay goes on to explain that we're raising our children to unknowingly think that we are superhuman because we don't introduce our flaws as, as being part of who we are, which therefore is, you know, impacting our children's overall development. And, and by flaws, you know, we mean arguments, irritations, outbursts, and showing the bad days as well as our good days. Exactly. And then to further this, we also looked into a YouTuber called New Mind Frame, where the YouTuber talks about how emotional learning plays a huge role in the development of our children, where those that are smothered with too much love might end up retreating and end up becoming quite emotionally unavailable. And they don't want to necessarily commit to anyone or anything because they're frightened of being vulnerable with their emotions. And then the reverse is true where you have people who are quite codependent and are quite needy emotionally because of the way that they've been brought up. Our parents have influenced us in ways that we don't really think about until we then become adults ourselves and are starting to influence those around us. And rather than repeat the flaws of our upbringing, it's important to correct those so that way we can ensure that our partners and more importantly, our children have the best life for them as well. There are actually real neurologic reasons of how exposure to early adversity affects the developing brains and bodies of our children too. So for example, Ken and I, we watched a TED talk that it was called How Childhood Trauma Affects Health Across a Lifetime. It was presented by Nadine Burke-Harris. Um, you'll be able to find it on, on YouTube. The, she, go, she basically goes to discuss the ACE study. So the ACE study was originated in 1985 by Dr. Vincent Filetti. And essentially the ACE study consists of adverse childhood experiences that essentially correlate against your health outcome and correlate against your overall score. So for every yes for each adversity that you've experienced, you would get one point on your ACE score. This includes things like physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, physical, emotional neglect, substance dependence, incarceration, parental mental illness, parental separation or divorce or domestic violence. 67% of the population had at least one of these, had at least one ACE. And 12.6% had four or more ACEs. So essentially, the higher your ACE score, the worse your health outcome. But it was a really interesting study to read. And, and I recommend looking further into it if you are interested, because how this trauma influences your actions is therefore going to influence society as a whole. And without getting lost into a lot of the jargon, we want to introduce you to someone who's in their 20s and is raising her first child while also carrying her second to get her honest thoughts and feelings on what it's like to raise a child. Nicole, thank you so much for joining our podcast today. We are so happy to have you here talking with us. First, just tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am 26. I have a very soon-to-be three-year-old. Um, I'm currently 27 weeks pregnant. Live in small town Victoria. Um, not overly interesting, I feel, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm sure you'll have your, your own interesting facts about you. <laughs> I am keeping all the Sydney prejudice 
outside of this conversation today. <laughs> yes, back on Sydney's side. Very small town. <laughs> so what, what made you first decide to have a child? When, Park, when we found out we were having Parker, it was a surprise. We, I think we're fortunate that we'd had the conversation about wanting kids and wanting them quite young. My husband and I, we've known each other since we were, I think, five. So he definitely sort of came along earlier than I think either of us had um, sort of envisioned. But we were, we were very, very happy and excited. So... It was daunting. We both actually, we were looking at buying a house. So we were both still like living at home with our mum. But we've got, we had really, really, really good support systems. So everything sort of fell into place. So we we bought our our house and had him. And yeah, he's just been, he was, he was a pretty easy, he is a pretty easy kid. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of personality, but he, yeah, he's pretty easy going. It's good to hear that too, because not often a lot of people in your situation would be having either the conversation or have the foundations necessary to even have a child at all. So now that you've got Parker in your life, what have you realized versus before you had a child? There's no way to describe how exhausting it is. Like, Tell us about it. Tell us, try and explain it for us. <laughs> and, yeah, try and explain um, it. <laughs> oh, I, I feel stressed out at the end of a week of work. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like having a child. Yeah, so, um, oh, and God, like, when it, even just, like, when it comes to work, like, I was a travel agent before I had Parker and I went back to that and it just, it didn't fit my lifestyle anymore at yeah. all. Um, just the long hours and that sort of thing. But no, it's just, I guess every stage of um, of their life is, is exhausting in a different way. So, you know, pregnancy itself, you know, it's it gets to a point where you're just like, oh my God, I just don't have any more gas in the tank. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden you're awake for like a 48 hour period because you've gone into labour in the middle of the night and you don't get a wink of sleep. And then you've got this brand new baby that you are just so out of your depths with um and then so yeah so then you've got you know a newborn that hardly sleeps a wink um breastfeeding on top of that and then it's like you sort of you get past the stage where they start to sleep and and you know you're feeding less often and that sort of thing and then it's they start like running so then it's like when he's not sitting down eating and doing things like for a three-year-old I've never he just he plays football from 7 30 in the morning to 7 30 at night he does not stop and then I decided we decided that we were gonna have another one as well so then it was like the pregnancy on top of having the toddler yeah and doing it all over again but you sort of you just keep adjusting so at first this was really like it was it was daunting and this one, you know, completely planned. It was, you know, honeymoon baby, that sort of thing. But you kind of, you just have to adjust, I guess. Because I think, you know, we don't really get a manual. Like no one, you know, you don't get a manual when you, Whoa. you just sort of learn as you go, right? <laughs> so you mentioned that you've got good support from your parents. What would you say it was is one of the best things that you've learned from your parents? So I guess like we've both come from pretty big families. So my immediate family is is huge um i'm the youngest of six i think the biggest thing from my mum that i took was probably a more relaxed parenting approach because i was the youngest by the time it got to me i was just like they'd been there and done that 
go with your brother, go with your sister. Like not in a, not in a bad way, but I wasn't, you know, you have your first and you, you fret over everything that they do. You stress, you, you want to get it right. Whereas I mean, by the time it got to me with, with my mum, I can guarantee you she just was, you know, it was just second nature. I think just being a bit more relaxed, he's fit into our lifestyle without like depriving him of being a child or anything like that. Like I can remember going to sleep school with him. Yeah, there is a sleep school. Just letting you know, they, that helps wow. at least. The Sorry, is it, is it sleep school for you or for Parker? <laughs> I wish it was for me. Um, no, oh, I thought it was. No, I thought that's what you were saying. No, I thought it was for you. <laughs> no, that's for kids. Um, it teaches you just how to form good habits and that sort of thing with okay. your kids, like into routines and that sort of thing um, and just techniques to help them sleep. It's obviously very beneficial that you've got such an institution that's not only helping you with putting your children to sleep but also in how to look after them. But separate to that... What did you learn about raising children from when you were at school? Is it terrible if I say nothing? Not at all. Absolutely. (laughs) I think apart from, I think maybe like health and human development in like VCE was maybe the closest thing, which the portion of that that actually came down to like children and families was very very small it was it was a very broad subject yeah um, but this sounds yeah. very familiar. Yeah. but when i fell pregnant and i learned where they date your conception from how like how it all works i was like what and especially because parker wasn't planned so when they're asking me like do you know what your date of conception was i was like I don't know, like, <laughs> God, like, so it's bizarre when they, they do these, you know, sex ed or whatever. They don't even break the ice when it comes yeah. to like conception and childbirth and all that sort of thing. Oh, it's no. all about sexual health and that sort of thing. Well, not even that. Like even yeah. in school, like for us, a man and a woman connect, yeah. baby happens, the yeah. end. The end, literally. Figure yeah. out the rest for yourself. Yeah, yeah. there's no, there's no guide. Even like the things you learn about pregnancy just from being pregnant yourself is mind blowing. I got given the baby in health class in year 11 or year 12 or something. And I got like a 99%. So I was pretty wrapped. But that's that. <laughs> I feel like I'm ready to go. Baby, I think it slept in my undie drawer next to my bed. In your, in your drawer. And that was like, that's it. That was my insight to parenthood. Oh, very good. Very good. You did more than me. I was at an all boys school and we never learned anything about that. Do you think that this is something that should be taught for men just as much as it is for women? Yeah, definitely. Cause um, I mean, traditional, you know, roles are that, you know, the dad goes back to work almost straight away and, and the mum is the one that takes the maternity leave and does the part-time work when they go back. And, and I can remember, you know, the first few weeks of bringing Parker home, like Das would not know even what I would have needed in a nappy bag. Oh my God, I'll never forget poor Das during labour. <laughs> oh. He is a mess. So it's just it's so it's just so full on, and it's just nothing that you kind of can prepare yourself for. But I don't. I definitely don't think that males are prepped the same way females are for for when it comes to childbirth and, and then bringing up newborns. And mm. I mean, I made him do the classes the antenatal classes beforehand. Yeah. Um, and some things he was like, oh, my God, this is such a waste of my time. But other things he was, like, sitting there, like, watching the screen in awe because he was like, what? 
And I was like, yeah. It's a whole, <laughs> new, yeah, oh, yeah. It's a whole new another thing. And yeah. I think a lot of people like don't know. Yeah, obviously a lot of people don't know what it's like to have children. And unlike a lot of things that you can take back in life, we don't, you know, you don't have a receipt for this type of investment, right? So <laughs> in, in, I guess, like a massive nutshell, what is like the biggest thing that's impacted your life having a baby? I find that I'm not, not, not outgoing, but my social life obviously has, has changed quite a lot. Yeah. And I mean, even like my husband's has as well. He's probably not so much because when you're breastfeeding, it's not something, you know, if, if your friends plan something last minute to go and have a few drinks, it's, it's everything is mashed out. You have to know when you're going to feed last and, and that sort of thing. I also find I get like mum guilt when, you know, Parker might've been like one or two and it's like, you know, a weekend away with the girls I would more often than not, not go, not because I didn't think I deserved it or like Dars didn't want me to go anything like, like that. It's more in the back of your mind. You're like, I don't think I should. Like, I think I should stay home because I'll miss him. And if I go, I'll feel bad and I'll not regret going, but it'll, it'll play on my mind. Have you ever been tempted to fit Parker into a more adult part of your life? Like bringing Parker say on that weekend with the girls, would you ever bring him to say a night out at a pub to watch the footy or are you very much like, no, Parker needs to stay at home and I'll be there for him. And then he can eventually get into this side of that life when he's old enough for it. Um, it's funny you say that, um, our, four of our good friends actually own our local pub. Mm. So, and it's like kind of across the road from our house, not across the road, but sort of just around the corner. Um, so for us, him, like even as a baby, he always like came with us to the pub if we went like for something, if it was a function or, um, a Sunday catch up with our mates or something like that. He ha- like definitely has fit into that. Like there's certain things I wouldn't do. Like, um, you know, there's a time, you know, where I think, you know, it's time for me to take him home. Like he's not going to be there until whatever time of night. He, he actually probably socializes more with adults than kids, which mm. sounds bizarre. Um, he does go to daycare. He likes the teacher's, I think more than he likes the kids. <laughs> it really bothers me. Um, but the more I think about it growing up, because my close, close knit friends, a lot of them don't have kids. He, a lot of the time has, you know, he hangs out with the adults. Exactly. And, and that's- uh, so you think then maybe he's formed an attachment to people who are older versus people. Yeah, who- like I think he just, I think he thrives off it a little bit more. Like, don't get me wrong. I've got nieces and nephews and, and he's got close friends that when he's with them, he just plays like a normal kid. He loves being the center of attention, I think, which mm. having a second baby will probably be a, a test to that. Um, Nicole, I have seen similar situations where parents have brought their children to the pub and for a long time, and I mean this with no judgment, I thought that that may not actually be something appropriate for a child growing up. Why do you think that it's okay? Do you think that it's not necessarily problematic? I think it comes down to probably the pub and, and the people that are there itself. I, I'd prob- I'm, sort of, I, I'm sort of in the middle on that one because I, yeah, I definitely would, I'd go to a restaurant or, or something similar to what you said and I'd probably think, oh, I don't think I could ever bring Parker here 
but I think because of just the laid back nature of our local pub. Yeah. If it was a, you know, if it was a major town or, um, or anything city. like that, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely probably Nice the environment. Yeah. You've talked a bit about how your role has changed since you've become a mum. And obviously in this day and age where things can be very superficial online as well as in life where we present a good first impression, like where we look at as a couple together, we have a child together, everything looks like it, we're ticking boxes and everything looks amazing. What's it like behind the scenes? What has been the impact for you and Darcy in having a Parker? We interrupt this podcast to bring you the latest hot topics. Hello, I'm representing the thoughts of the hypothetical Australian government. Have you been thinking about having kids? Did that maternal instinct finally scratch hard enough to drive you to put a bun in that oven? Are you a man who has always wanted to have a baby bouncing around you every day? If so, then it's time to think a bit more before you do the birds and the bees. Introducing bringing adulthood to babies yourself or B-A-B-Y for short. We are legislating a brand new concept where we want to make future parents question if they're ready to have children. Our course will test to ensure that you are not only physically and financially fit to raise kids, but also to make sure that you're emotionally equipped to go the long haul as parents without one of you jumping ship and resulting in another traumatic experience for a baby in this world. Having kids isn't a crime, but raising them poorly is. Want to be a parent? Take your B-A-B-Y course to get your licence today. Authorised by the Hypothetical Australian Government, Canberra. So how has having Parker impacted your relationship with Darcy? Um, it definitely puts pressure on your relationship because I think the, the back to the whole exhaustion thing. Because mm. um, you just get to a point where you're just like, oh, my God, like, can you do it? Like, <laughs> 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 Do you do like a paper, scissors, rock or anything like that? Or like- <laughs> Look, we, we probably take it more in turns. Like even sometimes it's just even, um, you know, who's going to read him a story that night before bed. Yeah. Because it's like, holy shit, I've got to get all this stuff ready for tomorrow. Yeah. I want to pop my lunch. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to have a shower. And we're both sort of like, you do it. You do it. Like, um, and I mean, like, we both, like, we love to spend that time with him, but sometimes it's like, oh, okay, if you do it tonight, I'll do it tomorrow night. But I think exhaustion on your relationship is 100% the hardest, and I think you get a little bit envious of each other. Like, I'll put my hand up straight away and say I'm a bit envious of, of not being able just to drop everything and go and do something, which he doesn't, like, he doesn't really do that, but, like, footy training and that sort of thing. Like, every Tuesday, Thursday, he's at footy training. That's just what it is. Yeah. Mm. So I'm home, I cook tea do all of that um sometimes it might be you know the, the boys might say oh you know come over come around the pub for just like one beer and it's like oh i want to kill you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time like everything sort of evens itself out do you have like your own sort of time for yourself each week as well that you sort of schedule i appreciate my half an hour drive to work and back which that sounds so sad um, but it's nice because like, it's just sort of like me time and I can just before yeah. and after sort of tune out a little bit. We do now every second Sunday and every second Thursday, he'll stay at either of our mums. Yeah. Just because they have him that following day usually. 
um, while we're at work and it just, we just sort of thought about it. Like when we started thinking about having another baby, we just thought it might be nice, nice for him, nice for them. Um, and I guess nice for us as well, just to have some us time. We pretty much only ever get like take out and lay on the couch together, but that's all you need sometimes. Fine, yeah. Yeah. Just that. <laughs> just, <Fine>. yeah. <laughs> we'll just have like, suits and we're, yeah. And then mm. we go to bed early and we just have like a solid, like so it's sleep. Yeah, that's so good. So obviously with our episode talking about, you know, do we actually think that a license is necessary to raise a child or to have a child? I think in an ideal world, we'd have a manual to follow to bring up our child in, you know, the best physical and mental form possible for the world to be, you know, a really equal and, and happier place, ideally. And we believe if there were certain prerequisites or requirements needed to have a child like physical mental and financial tests like the handout of a license could be a way to determine whether someone was fit to raise a child through to adulthood because I think not only are you influencing this human how you influence them is going to impact their future relationships and you know therefore other humans in the world so do you believe there should be a license to raise a child it's a, it's a hard question because to a certain extent, sort of, yes. But then I guess you have to look at it as in the sense of how many, you know, how many laws does everyone break with their driver's license? On yeah. A yes. yeah, yeah, very true. Maybe for the purposes of this conversation, let's just say if we weren't thinking in terms of legal issues that came with yeah. the implementation of a license, if this was designed to improve the upbringing of children yeah. and to see that they were developed from you know infancy to adulthood do you think then such a license would have good intent i think look i think it would there are certain things that i wish seeing some kids in certain situations that parents did have to 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 check a box before they were allowed to to have children it is it's it is hard because i guess I guess because everyone, everything is so case by case that it it gets a little bit hard to sort of to put it all under one umbrella and say, you know, unless you do this, this and this, you're not allowed to have children or, you know, if that was a hypothetical, like if that really was, was a thing. Um, but I do think there are really important things that, that you should have to be able to show that you can do to have kids. Putting your kids' needs first, especially, like is, is hands down yeah uh, number one unfortunately it's something i see at work on a regular basis is someone can't can't you know kick a bad habit or give something up for the sake of their own children mm. uh, which is, is really devastating to see yeah these kids are so innocent and um and that sort of thing but also they're only going to pick up habits and and that sort of thing from what they they see their parents do we did a bit of research into this and we think there are actually ways in which you could develop maybe a metric for perhaps implementing a license so one of the key areas outside of parents being physically fit having financial background is also their the way they've been brought up as well because in terms of say emotional attachment some people are brought up in a way where they don't actually have a very secure attachment to those around them and they can go into very they can smother people with 
affection, which is too much and it makes people sort of withdraw and then go the other way where they just close up and they don't want to express their feelings too. And I think that can dramatically impact the way in which they then develop and how they interact with other people too. Because like you said, children will develop a lot of bad habits from their parents' bad habits too. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose like, I mean, they always say, you know, don't, don't fight in front of your kids and and that sort of thing. I mean, I'll put my hand up and say, I've definitely had arguments with, you know, with Darcy in front of Parker and that sort of thing, but I'm not, I don't look back on it now and think, Oh my God, what's going to come of it. Um, But yeah, it's the, the, the developing the habits and, and not, and a kid and a child so young not knowing like what the norm is um is frightening as well i see a lot of people that the grandparents have custody of kids and then they go back to their parents and then they're taken off their parents again and and that sort of thing and that in itself to me is so would be so traumatizing and so confusing for a child mm. um, yeah. to not have a stable home and in the end it is all down to the fact that the parent unfortunately and in some cases it is very very hard but unfortunately the parent hasn't put that child's needs before their own we we did watch this with this ted talk it was it was basically how like trauma affects their child's health across a lifetime brains and bodies just developing and it's not only affecting their brain structures and functions as they're growing up, but the, you know, it's developing their immune system and even the DNA that is read and transcribed as they're going through. And I think like this, in this Ted talk, there was a quote that she mentioned. He was the president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, Dr. Dr. Robert Block. And he said that adverse childhood experiences are the single greatest unaddressed public health threat facing our nation today, which I think is so powerful. It's, and it's, and it's, it's quite, you know, it's quite true. I think some of the videos and stuff that we, we've watched recently, it just shows that those adversities can get under their skin and, and essentially change our physiology as we're growing up. So mm. do you agree with that? I had this sort of conversation with a colleague yesterday about like trauma and that sort of thing because her and I very similar in the sense we've both we've both had quite a bit of trauma in our lives I mean I've as a kid lost my sister in an accident and then my my brother later in life um not too long actually before Darcy and I ended up together and and then had Parker um and then yeah uh, and then my my dad ended up passing away um after I'd had Parker, it was probably about 12 months after I'd had Parker. But one thing that, that I always think about was um, my sister was due to have one of her, to have her eldest um, two months after we lost my brother. And she ended up having, having him um, premature and everything. He's, he's a funny, he's such a funny kid. But he does struggle a lot with anxiety and um, and and as young as he is, um, like he, he's on depression medication and that sort of thing. And I, hands down, swear by it. I have no medical background, nothing like that. But I can't help but think that the trauma that my sister went through whilst pregnant with him has shaped a lot of what he is yeah. today. Yeah. That's powerful. So whether or not they're already even born, I think 
has shaped a lot of what my nephew is going through now yeah. because of what she had been through while she was pregnant. You know, um, it's funny you should mention that because there's definitely enough evidence out there to suggest that without being in a very secure environment, you can often have children that can be affected for life and that changes their behaviour too. Yeah, I definitely, like, I mean, as I said, I've definitely had, you know, arguments with Das in front of Parker, but I don't think he has been present to witness anything that I would think that would go on to really have a huge negative impact. I think it's uh, not if it's like a a once off every now and then. I think it's, if it's more like consistently every single day, then I think that's obviously a massive difference to. Are you throwing chairs at Das? (laughs) (laughs) but but that's the thing as well though as i said like you know with with what i do for a living yeah unfortunately there are things like that that are going on um in front of a lot of kids and yeah i just i it genuinely builds a fear in me as to what these kids are witnessing at home if and Mm. and even just like the way sometimes they're spoken to by the parent and that sort of thing i mean we have we've had to do welfare checks on clients and and call someone to actually go and check on these children because they, you know, they come in there, they're dirty and scruffy. And I mean, God, I know how grubby Parker gets after he's had his lunch and that sort of thing. But just, you know, there's just a certain lack of care. We interrupt this podcast to cure your paternal insecurities. Hi there. I'm with the Hypothetical Australian Government, and we're here to support all future mums and dads of Australia. Are you unsure that you're fit for the role of rearing a child? Do you fear the responsibility to look after your own baby? Our BABY exam is easy to take and goes through a variety of different mental, physical and emotional tests to ensure you're fit for the role. And even if you don't pass now, we offer plenty of important tuition to ensure you're a mum or dad with potential. Suffering from a challenging upbringing of your own? We have plenty of ways to reparent a future parent to parent your own children down the road. Don't hesitate to opt in now for your license. Better to raise responsibly than create carelessness for those around you. Want to be a parent? Take your BABY course to get your license today. Authorised by the Hypothetical Australian Government, Canberra. Just to wrap up, what would be, Nicole, a piece of advice or a tip for any new mums or people thinking about having a kid, do you have any, any tips? I think to, like they always say, like, take the, take the help that you're offered. Someone offers to, you know, to give you a hand with something they're not offering because they're hoping that you're going to say no, they're offering because they're genuinely wanting to know if you want the help. And mm. sometimes letting go, like letting go of that control makes you feel like, like I know in the beginning, I was like, no, 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 like it's fine. I'll, I'll be fine. And then you just start to deteriorate almost and you start to think I should just, and every now and then you just say, yeah, that would be awesome. Um, so I, I think that is a huge one because I definitely struggled to sort of let go of that control because I thought, no, no, like I have to know how to do it. But I also think like if you have a partner, don't like let you you become the enemy of each other like I think it's such a team effort that it's very easy to as I said earlier get you know you get the shits on with each other for you know going and leaving you behind or whatever but in the end you the last thing you're going to want is to resent each other for anything and you're both in it 100% together so 
yeah I think just making sure you don't um like it's been four in the morning and we've ripped each other's head off in bed about you know it's your turn to get up like no I'm not doing that um but in the end like you've kind of you've just got to like let yourself cool off get over it and then you know it's all it happens again the next night anyway going back to the title of this episode which is should there be a license in order to raise children what would be the areas that you think would be important for a potential parent to showcase before having their license? Would they be, say, physical, emotional, and financial stability? I think I think financially, I mean, it doesn't have to be a huge threshold, but I think you do need some financial stability to, to be able to have kids because... Mm. It's expensive without even realising it's expensive. Like you only buy the necessities for yourself and, and you spoil, you know, your child or or it's even just the amount of nappies and wipes and all sorts of things like that that they go through or, in my case, the amount of food. Um, <laughs> but I think the financial part, you, you kind of you have to sort of look at that. If, if you're going to do something like that, you, you have to take that into account and I and think physical health as well. Because I think it's this is going to sound terrible, but it's almost it's almost a selfish situation, I guess, to bring a child in if you're not deemed fit enough, I guess, to to care for someone else because you're caring for yourself so much as well. Yeah, well, I think that's actually not a terrible thing to say, but a realistic thing to say. To be honest. yeah, no, I, I think it's it's mainly the you know the physical, mental, financial aspects for sure. But I think there's no point in having a baby if you don't give it the hundred percent love it deserves. I feel I feel like if you're gonna have a baby, like be prepared to give it hundred percent of your love and time because it's just not fair on the on the child. There's you know other parents out there that are wanting children that actually unlucky or can't have children so to be able to bring up a child is a gift so I think you know giving it the love it deserves I think that's super important too. When we talk about a driver's license they say it's a privilege to drive on the road not a right obviously reproduction is a right it's a natural right but I think raising a child it almost comes down to a privilege because not everyone can do it correctly. Yeah I think another one as well unfortunately to throw in would be like drug and alcohol oh god yes like i think like you know it's not to say you know you can't enjoy you know everyone loves a wine or whatever but though whatever I use loosely <laughs> <laughs> a wine or a wine or ten <laughs> and i mean i remember having to work out like when i was breastfeeding like how many wines i could have before you know before it was going to be an issue you know three hours down the line when i was due to feed and that sort of thing or whether or not you know i bottle fed that night because we had something planned or something like that i mean that is the reality of, of being a parent and I, I suppose especially you know a 26 year old parent um and and everyone's entitled to that I mean as long as the, the baby is cared for they're fed they're happy they're healthy you know I'm not not saying go and get spastic drunk and come home <laughs> but but I guess a huge one is is you know smoking drinking taking drugs that sort of thing especially when you when a woman is pregnant it's yeah. so scary that there are people that do that. 
You see, that's the territory where if we're talking about implementation, I would find a potential parent for that sort of thing because now you're impacting them, you're impacting the health system, you're impacting people's lives and it's just not worth it. I mean, we we had an accident in town not too long ago um, where, you know, no 100% fact, but through the, you know, small town grapevine, um, the the girl, the, the woman driving with the child in the car that was actually killed was actually under the influence of something. Um, oh, and, gosh. And, you know, that child lost its life. So, oh, no, I'm sorry to hear yeah. that. And it's just like incidences like that is where it needs to be, you know, it does, it needs to be controlled or, yeah, I guess in an, in an ideal world where it could be controlled. When someone, someone is relying on you 100%, yeah. you know, that... Your it's without life. you, they they aren't. You know whether they're eight or you know eight weeks old. Yeah. At that age, they they can't get from A to B without you and and that sort of thing. So that's when it's you know it's just insane to know that people make those choices. Mm. Yeah. And they're very careless choices too. And um, so now that you've um, you've had Parker and you've got another little muffin on the way, um, do you think you're prepared for the second one now? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually think apart from how the hell I'm going to do it with two um, and like literally juggling like, you know, prams, car seats and, and everything like that. I mean, I'm, when I go out for the first time with two on my own, it will probably be terrifying. But just like it was going out with Parker for, for the first time on my own as well, that was, that was scary in itself. But I did it. Yeah. So I'm going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I'm, I'm probably a little bit more prepared because I sort of – I know what I'm in for. Um, I mean, he, as I said, he was pretty easy. Like he fed no dramas, that sort of thing. I might have one that, you know, just decides not, not having a bar of it and, and is <laughs> you know, a nightmare or something from the start. But mm. as I said earlier, you just kind of, you just have to adjust. You just do it as you go. I don't think enough people think critically about what it's like to have a child and what goes into it too. There's often this joy, this association of maternal instinct into it being like, I'd love to have a child, but it's like, yes, biologically you might want to have a child. But have you thought about what that involves in the other areas of your life? Yeah, and I think there's, like, one other thing I guess I didn't mention earlier about, um, like, when it changes, it can, like, it it can get lonely. Mm. That sounds weird because you have something that's, like, literally attached to you. Um, But you do, you know, as much as, you know, your friends text or your friends pop in to see you, you know they're off doing something, you know, without you and that sort of thing. And that's where it gets that little bit like lonely so you, you just need to like I think to any mum like especially new mums um you just need to sort of accept that is normal like that's an that's just a normal feeling when you have had a baby but it's not always like that and it's it's so like the good hundred times over ways out, like outweighs the bad but yeah otherwise to wrap Amazing. up look at Thank you very, very, very much for coming on board and having a chat with us. Thank you so much, Nicole, for your input and all of your wisdom and knowledge. So thank you so much for joining us. That was great having Nicole. I thought that she brought a raw honesty to how it is to raise children, which was very refreshing. It was very refreshing. I think it would get a lot of people that are looking at having children in the future to get their thinking caps on about what it actually takes to have a child. Completely agree. Now I've got a question for you. 
if we were to legislate a license to raise children, how would you punish people who have broken the rules? Um, well, obviously, like how he said before, having kids isn't a crime and it's difficult to put rules on human rights, but let's entertain this idea, Ken. <laughs> so <laughs> let's say a parent was caught smoking whilst being pregnant. Um, we might suggest enrolling them into a mandatory educational class about the adverse impacts of their own health and well-being, um, which can be carried across to their child. Or if a child was being underfed, the solution might be to enroll the parent into a class on nutrition with the risk of non-compliance actually resulting in regular check-ins. But what about trauma and adversities? How do you think we could regulate that or these kinds of things? Good question. Look, I think accidents like death and illness play a role that's well and truly out of our hands for the most part. But I'd seriously encourage, if not enforce, therapy for children, especially those 18 or younger, as it's such a formative period in their lives. And it's also really important to understand that the role of therapy is to nurse the mind back to health and to express how you're feeling so you can reconnect with those around you. And whilst this may not be a perfect solution, I think that's better than not having any intervention at all in extreme circumstances like this. And for the most part, having a license should provide us with an outline on how to raise our children because it's better than what we have right now, which is peer learning and a lot of educated guesses. This would also lead to better influence relationships, a positive and healthy influence society as a whole. So honestly, I see a lot of benefit to come out of having such a thing legislated. Well, for now, I think that we can only imagine Ken, but what now? Yes, what now indeed. <laughs> so Ken, last question. Yes. <laughs> Are you ready to be a father in the near future? Alistair, I held a baby in my arms last year for the first time and thought honestly about the idea of how nice it would be to have a child of my own. After an hour of holding that child, I returned him to his loving mother because I realised I am not ready for that just yet. What about you? I thought you were going to say return him to the store. I was like, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do well, those. To be fair, I technically did return him to the store. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'd, I would have to agree with you. Um, I do currently get more excited at seeing puppies, but we'll see, we'll see how, the, how the future bestows us. So anyway, our next episode is all about health and fitness and not just health in terms of physical health, but we'll be talking about the physical, mental and spiritual sides of health that come all into our next, into our next chapter. And for next episode, we're exclusively looking at fitness and also how gym life plays a major role in our society today. The good, the bad, the muscular and the not so muscular aspects of that entire field. And we'll be trying to separate a lot of the fact from fiction with our guest speaker, who I'm very excited to introduce on this podcast. But for now, you can catch us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Our notifications are on Facebook and Instagram. and if you'd like to drop us a like and subscribe on YouTube, that would be fantastic. But before we air our next episode, we're going to take a break across the month of September, just so that way we can get a few things sorted in our lives and then give you the best kind of episodes that we want to give you across the next few months into 2020.
But yeah, I don't know about you, Alyssa, but I'm going to go make some plans to help out the hypothetical Australian government legislate this licence. Please get in contact with us, Australian Hypothetical Government. We would love to hear your thoughts. We'd really love it if you didn't become just the hypothetical Australian government. We'd love it if you became the literal Australian government. And with that being said, whatnowpod at gmail.com. Catch you there. (laughs) If you want to drop us any commentary on that, feel free to. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, whether you liked us, whether you didn't agree with us. And if you didn't like us, well... Bye, Felicia. (laughs) And that is it. Bye. Bye.